I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. OTB Nation, welcome into episode number 257 of the allegedly award-nominated number 9 NCAA ranked, still sort of Shrek ranked. I saw Shrek is alive and well on Instagram, liked our, our most recent clip there. So not, Shrek, not, same thing on Twitter, he's, he's alive, I've need, seen some stuff. Need the rankings back, Shrek. Uh, and of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box podcast, <laughs> the official lacrosse podcast, on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB and the the dressed to impressed Deej. One upping me. I felt underdressed coming into tonight's episode. If you're not watching on YouTube, you should be. Uh Deej My stood bad. me up. He, My bad. he came ready to he came ready to play. It wasn't on purpose. All right. I just got this promotion, if you want to call it, at work, you know. Uh we dropped a new station. We flipped the format. We had uh, two different stations that were running in Kalamazoo and Battle Creek. Um, it was 70s and 80s and alternative respective. Uh, we flipped those to R&B, and they made me the brand manager. I'm control of the whole thing. Um, I get the last say of what goes on, but also if something goes wrong, it's also my fault. So I'm uh, kind of in you know, the upper echelon of radio. I am in control of the entire brand, which means I kind of got to – Dress the part. Every you hit so him with often. a, you hit him with a. Look at me, I'm the captain now. <laughs> look at me, I'm the captain now. This uh, is mine. <laughs> <laughs> we got a big show to uh, to unpack for you guys. We're going to recap the week that was in the NLL. More trades happening, uh, which is exciting for you know this time of the year uh, with the NLL. Some early trades going on, some big ones as well. We'll dive into all of that. We'll get into uh, week eight as we got a nice little four-game slate of uh, NLL action this weekend. And then, of course, uh, we got some PLL retirements to dive into, and we'll talk about those two and uh, what it means for the landscape of those teams, potential moves in free agency and stuff like that. But before we dive into all that, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter, Instagram. We've been a little more active on the Instagram because your boy learned from the GOAT, Jake Dippold, our new uh, getting-the-whole-podcast co-host, taught me how to clip properly uh, with a fancy little app, and uh, it's working. We're doing numbies with the clips now, so the clips are out. Uh, so follow us on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Follow Deej on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
wherever you get your podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. We're trying to take this thing to a new level. You leave a review, more people you know, get their eyes and ears on the pod. We get on the charts. It helps us grow. Helps look good for potential advertisers as well. We're trying to take this thing to the next level. So go subscribe. Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of OTB and all of our podcasts on the network. You get shorts, OTB cast live streams. Yeah, clips, interviews, all that good stuff happens on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 358 subscribers, trying to hit that 1K mark, trying to get 400 by the end of January. I think we can still get there. We're on we're on the brink. We get a nice little run here from OTB Nation coming through. Uh, we can hit that 400 milestone, but go subscribe to the YouTube. And while you're at it, Go get your merch. It's the most effective and direct way to support Deej and I with everything we're doing with OTB and our company in general with Underground Sports. Uh, so go to PHI Apparel Company. They're our exclusive merch partners. There's no doubt that when you guys are rocking OTB merch at your favorite NLL team's uh, arena, when you go out on the road for the PLL this summer, going to your favorite colleges, games uh in the spring and very soon you know season starting up pretty quickly uh you're gonna stand out in the crowd with your official otb merch you guys can go to phiapparel.co and use code underground for 10 percent off any and all merch includes hoodies the otb hoodies are fire fire they're mint go get them run it up get the otb logo shirt and when you get your stuff tag us on instagram tweet at us that you got your merch because we want to see where you're repping OTB at across the nation. Uh, that's phiapparel.co. Use code underground. 10% off your order. DJ was a wild week, week seven in the NLL. Uh, we 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 got made to look like a bit of a bit of dummies, you know, in our picks, but that happens. Sometimes you have a down week. Um, but looking back at it here, Friday started off with a bang. Two overtime games on Friday the 13th. Albany wins 11-10 over Halifax. Saskatchewan falls to Colorado 11-10 in overtime. And then Saturday, Toronto pulls the big win over Halifax 17-8. Panther City uh, upsets the Wings in their home opener 12-10. I got to say, though, the Wells Fargo Center, brother, was a party. They sold over 10,000 tickets to that game. It was the loudest I've heard that place in quite some time. It was electric. Job well done to the Wings fans. Uh, Buffalo top Georgia 11-9 in Buffalo. Calgary upsets San Diego and hands them their first loss of the year 14-10. Vancouver gets their first win of the year in just a barn burner of a game 19-16 over Vegas. And then Rochester remains the lone unbeaten team in the NLL through six weeks of game action. Uh, they beat New York 11-8. to Deej, what stood out to you from week seven? What are, what are some of these uh, these matchups that, you know, kind of surprised, kind of, you know, went with how you thought they were going to go? But what, what are some storylines that stuck out to you from week seven? Um, the biggest thing is the Calgary game and then the, the Rochester game for the simple fact that it left one unbeaten team left. Like what I said a few weeks ago with Rochester being the best team in the league, that might just be true at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like San Diego went in looking like the best team in the league so far, looking like an unbeatable team, looking like a team that we couldn't 
pick against. And now they've lost. Now they, you know, their formula has been cracked. Teams can look at this footage and look at what Calgary has done to pick apart, you know, their team and, and, and be in a competitive game against San Diego. At this point, you can't really do that with Rochester. Like, sure, you can be in a competitive game with them, but nobody has figured out that key thing that keeps them from winning the game. Rochester has figured out how to win every game up until this point, separating them from everyone else. That was, like, the main thing I saw this weekend. Other than that, it was just pure effort across the board. It was just flat out the team that wanted it more that day was the team that won. That's what I saw in the rest of the games that weekend. It was just the team that showed up and wanted it was the team that won. And it sucks for Halifax. That was that was another big thing. Halifax going 0-2 on the weekend was not something I saw. It was definitely a one-and-one. I, I definitely saw more of a one-and-one kind of thing mm-hmm. coming from them, which is what I picked. You know, win the first game, lose the second. I didn't see them beating Toronto either way due to Toronto's – how things shaped out for them the last couple of weeks, how they felt they played as a team. I felt like they were going to come out and have a good game this weekend, which they did almost pretty much dominated Halifax, Halifax in that game. That's almost what I expected. But the showing they put out Friday night was a little skeptical to me, truly. Yeah. Uh, I was at Panther City at Philadelphia. Uh, first half looked phenomenal for the Wings. They were clicking on all cylinders. Joe Reseteritz and uh, Chad Tutton. Got their warm welcomes to Philadelphia, which was awesome. It's always good to see like the new players and see how the Wings fans respond, and it's always electric. Um, the crowd was incredible. The post-game uh, meet-and-greet is back at the Wells Fargo Center for Wings games, too. So after the game, you can go and uh, grab a beer and hang out with the players uh, after the game, which is always a blast. Um, I don't know what happened in the third quarter in that game. Um Things kind of just started to derail a little bit. I don't know if guys got too comfortable or not, um, but the turnovers became a big issue in the second half for the Wings, and that's what ultimately cost them that game. Panther City picked up 77 loose balls in that game when it was all said and done. I think the Wings ended up with 53, if I'm not mistaken. Don't fact check me. Um, But it was one of those things where it was just like, Everything that went right in the first half went wrong in the second half. Um, It was a physical game, more physical than I anticipated it being. Uh, From what I've seen from Panther City in the past, they're more of a speed finesse type of team, and they still have that speed, man. Watching them in person is great. It's tough to keep up, like, with your eyes. It's like watching a game of, like, Atari Pong just on, like, turbo speed. They they get up and down the floor so quickly, um, and now they added – Callum Crawford to the mix, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but I think the Wings are going to be okay. I think it was one of those things that they kind of needed that wake-up call in a sense. You know, they're 2-2 two and two after the first month. That's not terrible. It could be much worse. Um, obviously, like, if the if one ball bounces the wrong way, they lose that Georgia game, they're 1-3, and three, and then you're really like, oh, shit. 2-2 um, two and two is not terrible. Uh, for this team, and now it's just 14 straight against the East for them from here on out. They don't have any more West Division matchups, um, and they have four straight at home, including that Panther City game. So I think they're going to be they're going to be fine. I think being at home will kind of help them settle a little bit too, and you know be a little bit more comfortable uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. 
big test this week against Toronto, uh, especially now with the time switched up for the start time. It's an afternoon game because of the Eagles postseason game happening uh, on Saturday night. So a little bit of an earlier start than what was anticipated, but I still think it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere at the Wells Fargo Center, especially if everybody comes out and tailgates at the Wings game. Just go pregame at the Wings game because it's 2-1-5 day at the Wings game. $2 soft pretzels, $1 hot dogs, $5 beers. Where are you going to get a $5 beer tailgating, going anywhere? Nowhere. Plus, you're getting a fucking electric atmosphere between two awesome teams at the Wells Fargo Center, between Philly and Toronto. Go to the Wings game, and then go to the go to the Eagles game afterwards. It's a no-brainer. Um, Buffalo is Buffalo. They're they're fine. <laughs> like I think a lot of people overreacted a little bit to some of their early offensive struggles, but I think they're fine. They made a trade today that I think is going to enhance them big time. Calgary's for real. Let's just put it that way. Calgary's legit. They're going to be a force. Josh Currier being on that team is a big boost for them. Um, and, I mean, they're going to be in the mix in the West all season long. Those are some of the things that stood out to me. Same thing on Rochester, too. Like, they're fucking legit as can be. Um, and I love it. And this is what the standings look like after week seven in the East. Rochester at 5-0 and all alone at the top. Buffalo's at 4-1. and Uh Big game this weekend there uh, in Rochester because those two teams play each other on Friday night. Uh, Toronto at three and two, Halifax at three and three, Albany and Philly both at two and two, and then the Swarm and Riptide at zero oh and four, and the West the Seals at four and one, Colorado at three and one, Calgary at three and two, Saskatchewan at two and two, Panther City at three and three, Vancouver at one and four, and the Desert Dogs at zero oh and four. Uh, standings. Are there any teams you're nervous about as we sit, you know, pretty much a month into the year? I'm kind of concerned about Georgia. Their goaltending situation seems to be a key issue there. Uh, New York at 0-4, they've made some big changes the last couple of weeks. And then Vegas, they're an expansion team, so you kind of give them a little bit of a pass. Vancouver gets that win, so they kind of help themselves there from falling to 0-5, which could have been... Like, if they if Vancouver falls to 0-5 and, and they don't beat Vegas last week, it's like, all right, just start calling teams and see what they want to, you know, offer you from Mitch Jones and Sean Evans and Logan Shuss and the rest of the team because there's no recovering from 0-5. You're not going to win 13 straight games to go 13-5. and I... I'm not impressed with Vancouver's win. That didn't give me enough to not put them in that scared category. Oh, for sure. It's but it's, it's much better than 0-5. I mean, sh- sure. Optically, at least. Yeah, optically. But I don't think it's much better. I think they are. It's I San think Diego, they, Colorado, they, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Panther City. A big old level of space than Vancouver and Vegas. But, I mean, I don't even throw Vegas that far down because, like you said, they're an expansion team. They're coming together. They're building culture. Like, they're doing everything from the ground up this year. Like, I, it almost doesn't count, quote, unquote. You know, like, that's how I see it. And, you know, no, no disrespect to them or anything like that. Like, their games matter and they count and everything. But, like, it's 
you hold them to a different standard because of where they are compared to every other team. So it's I'm more scared for an, a, a one and four Vancouver than I am for an zero and five Vegas. You know, and 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 same thing for Georgia. Very scared for an zero and four Georgia, but not because they aren't good, but because they can't figure out how to play tougher and harder for the fact that they have two rookie goalies struggling. Like, I can remember my sophomore year of college, my homie Rizzo, who had just picked up a lacrosse stick for the first time a few months ago, was our goalie, and I played my goddamn ass off because I didn't want him to see a shot that he shouldn't have to see. Because that's just what you do. You understand that if somebody's not necessarily capable yet, you have to step up and do a little bit more to make things happen. And Georgia is just, like, lacking that, especially on the defensive side, which is extremely scary. Not so concerned for New York, not necessarily just because of the trade, but because they were playing halfway decent before the trade. They're one of those teams that if they had a few bounces rolled their way, they're a two and two team, a three and one team, a one and three team. You know what I'm saying? Like they at best, I think they could, they should be two and two. You, you know what I'm saying? Like they, there's at least a, one and three. A way that they win a game or two. If a few bounces go their way versus a Vancouver and a Georgia who've kind of just been getting steamrolled consistent, not necessarily steamrolled, but they haven't necessarily been in it mm-hmm. in the games that they've been losing. Yeah, I think I'm most concerned uh, for Georgia just because the East is a fucking juggernaut. They are they're a team that a lot of people expected to compete for a wild card or that final spot in the East. They're nowhere near it right now. They have a lot of questions to answer defensively, goaltender-wise. I think they're relying way too heavily on Lyle to kind of just be the it guy, which he is, but, like, you have other pieces around him. Shane Jackson's there. Andrew Q is there. Like, Miles is there. Like, you have guys that can help, you know, alleviate some of the pressure off of Lyle to be, like, the Mr. Do-It-All and help you produce more efficiently. Um but they have a lot of questions to answer about themselves, you know, a month into the season. As for everybody else, like, I think they're either exceeding expectations or kind of right where they should be um, for the most part. So I'm not too concerned about really anybody else except for those bottom four. Um, but, Deej, well, before we get into the OTB awards for, uh, for week seven, uh We'll get into some of the trades that went down this week. Started off with the Philadelphia Wings making a big move with the Albany Firewolves. I want to pull up the exact details here. Uh, Here we go. Uh, So Albany traded Tate Catoni to the Philadelphia Wings in exchange for a third-round pick in the 2024 entry draft. I love this move. Tate was a highly touted prospect coming out his draft year in 2021. He was on the practice squad for Albany on that left side. It helps a ton for this Wings team who needs that athleticism and speed. Corresponding move, the Wings release Corey Vitarelli. Um, I think this move more so tells me the boy 
Kyle Jackson isn't playing this year because KJ got a new job in Connecticut uh, at a boarding school. Is kind of like head of lacrosse operations, uh, something along those lines. Not exact. It's in his Twitter bio. Go check it out. Um, so even if we do see KJ, I don't think it'll be until like March or April. Is like one of those late season come on back and let him get ready for chaos season. Um, but I like this acquisition for Tate Katoni. Plays for Paul Day with Peterborough in the summer, so he knows him very well. He knows Joe Terrence very well, knows Kyle Matisse. It's a perfect fit, and you're not giving up much. Like a third-round pick in 2024, fine. I, you know, If you're telling me that, that Tate Katoni is your draft in the third round in 2024, that's a steal for the Wings, and I love this move. I mean, it's just hard to tell. You know what I'm saying? With with, draft he's also going to make his debut this week. By the way, for everybody who may wonder, like Tate's going to make his debut for the Wings on Saturday. With, with draft picks, it always gets so iffy, right? Because you never know what that draft pick is going to turn into, especially when it's conditional. You never know what that player turns out. You know who who ends up falling, who ends up moving up, like. You know, you never know what kind of diamond in the rough they find. Like sometimes that trade ends up being an L just because they go out and find the guy that nobody wanted to give a chance but turned out to be an all-star. And other times it ends up being a fucking flop and, and the team ran away with gold, you know, highway robbery kind of thing. It's just literally like, especially now where it's way too early of a time to tell like how this is going to shake out. Like, up front, it literally looks like Philadelphia is going to run away like they just stole candy from a baby. But it could turn out in a few years that Philadelphia made a horrible move and should have kept that pick and took who Panther City takes with that pick. But, like, there's well, Albany. no way. Albany. Or, yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm saying? There's no way to tell that. Yeah, for sure. I just – I like it from the aspect of you're basically telling me that the Philadelphia Wings third round pick in 2024 is Tate Katoni. That's that's effectively like what the trade is right now on the surface because that draft pick is unknown until 2024 and you know whoever Albany takes. But like the player that Tate Katoni is, the way he's going to fit into this system from knowing Paul Day and a bunch of the players who play for Peterborough in the summer, I think it's a, a match made in heaven for Tate's career. And for him to be a highly touted prospect that he was coming out in 2021 to be able to go and, you know, get lower than his draft capital for him because he's kind of just chilling on the practice squad in Albany because of, you know, the guys they have there. I think that's a huge win. Uh, for the wings for the right now and the future because Tate's so young that like, he's going to be a piece for this team for the next few years at least. So I like that move a lot. Albany gets draft capital. Who knows what they do with it? Who knows if they even use that pick? You know, They could end up trading that pick elsewhere. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, then we have the next move, which was the one that shook the internet. The New York Riptide traded Callum Crawford to Panther City in exchange for Colton Lidstone, Kevin Orleman, Petey LaSala, a fourth-round selection in 2023, a second-round selection in 2024, and a second-round selection in 2025. And in a corresponding move, the Riptide also signed Brett Hickey to the active roster on a one-year deal. He will play this weekend for the Riptide, from what I saw on the socials. 
Um, massive trade. A lot of it, you know, was part of Callum and his traveling. It got to be a little too much with him living in Oklahoma. Uh, so he's a little bit closer to home now playing in Fort Worth. Huge, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is move. Put your balls on the table, Rich Lisk. Trading Callum Crawford, a guy that he knows very well from both of their times in New England uh, with the Black Wolves at the time. But you get you get a bunch of youth. You get a bunch of picks if you're New York. P.D. LaSalle is the all-time uh, face-off leader at Virginia in team history. So they get a face-off guy who could you know be in the mix for them if he decides to sign. I don't know if he signed per se. I don't know if he what his contract situation was with Panther City. Um, but a, a, a big-time move on both ends, and, you know, Panther City kind of pushes their chips in the middle, and it's like, hey, we're one big piece away with this young core to really compete in the West. Let's go get a guy who has the stature and, you know, the the qualities that Callum Crawford has. Yeah, this obviously – kind of took me aback as a unofficial but not official but not really but really a riptide fan um it was just like you know like Callum's like a guy that they kind of built around and set the offense around like you didn't expect him to ever kind of be on the trade block in this early of a scenario but as a possible riptide fan that's not really a riptide fan but could be a riptide fan sometime soon this is really exciting because it shows that not only did they make the right move and, you know, GM stepping down slash firing whatever they did out there and appointing new GM, but he's also made a move to start rebuilding the team. Even, in, you know, taking in three younger guys, taking in those picks that they got, getting rid of a guy as great as Callum Crawford is, as talented as he is as much as he's going to give to the offense he is in a later part of his career and he probably had the most trade stock on the team so if you are going not to name be, jeff t right right because we're not you're, you're, you're not, not trading play. jeff and you're probably not trading larson sundown. larson sundown those probably those are the only and two. connor kiernan because of the contract he signed right and then other than i don't even think they're even thinking of, i don't think connor Kieran wants to you know go no. anywhere um so other than that, the only two you could really trade and get anything significant back for are Teton Sundown, who I feel are untradeable. You know, they've been marked untradeable. So mm-hmm. to go out and trade a guy like Callum Crawford is a ballsy move. But what you got back in return, sets ransom. It, it sets you up in the future for a great success if you're able to use those picks correctly. That's the biggest thing. That's always the biggest thing with, with trades that come with picks is how do players fall how do you draft? How do you, you do you develop those players? You could run off. Like, literally, this could be a king's ransom if those three picks end up being great players and they develop them the right way. Doesn't matter what Calum Crawford go down, goes down there and does. This was a steal of a trade for New York. And on the flip but, side, like, those, those are now three additional picks Rich Lisk has while he's the acting GM or if he stays in that role, you know, moving forward. Use him for a trade. Yep. It could be used for a trade, or, you know, he just uses those kids and drafts them, you know, use those picks and drafts them. But just as long as it's done the right way, picks the right player that'll fit into their team, 
there's you know their play scheme but also their uh, their personality and their vibe as a team, like that's important. You have to fit into the culture of the team. That's a big part of it. Like you'll hear a lot of D1 coaches say, I know what kind of guys I'm looking for out on the field. You know it. You know, the guys that give effort, that have the, the skill, that have the size and, and all of that. I, we know what they're looking for physically, but what are you like mentally? What are you like as a person? What are you like personality-wise? You have to fit into a team's family-like atmosphere before you even really get a chance to shine on the field. And if that's not there, you're going to get out and quit. So that that's another big part of it too, is, is picking the right kids and then developing the right way. So those picks could be a, a make or break. I'm totally blind. Is T lefty or righty? Lefty. I'm just looking here to see. Something tells me I, I could be tinfoil hatting right now for everybody at home, so take it with a grain of salt. Something tells me if Vancouver trades off one of their big pieces, New York's going to be in the mix. I mean, who else can they really get in the mix other than Vegas and maybe Panther City? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this I think this is a league where like you could see anybody get in the mix for a player just because of the type of league it is. Well, but I mean, I'm already, that, I'm already counting out San Diego. What do they really have to offer? Well, yeah, what San Diego. I'd say San Diego and Buffalo. They're kind Toronto, of off the table. What does Toronto really have to offer? Toronto's probably off the table. Calgary doesn't really have too much to offer either, to be honest. I could see them though. Like you, you could almost say Colorado doesn't have too much to offer either. Yeah, I think Calgary's a sneaky one. And at this point, Rochester, do they really have anything to offer? And not from a standpoint of, like, don't have guys that could be traded. More from a standpoint of do they want to break up that culture and that team. They're fucking balling right now. Do you? Really I can see Rochester more trade? so going and trading for, like, transition or defense. And, unless it's pure, like, they're giving nothing back but, but picks. Yeah. But I don't see them taking anybody off that team. But it's so hard doing purely picks for, for a guy. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, like I mentioned before, you don't know what's going to happen with that pick. It could be an all-star, but it also could be the worst decision of your life. And but, you traded away a guy that you know. You know what I'm saying? That's the If you win a championship, thing. it doesn't matter. That's fair. But also, And that's just, what some of these teams are going to be thinking-wise. Like, at the deadline when that rolls around in, like, March or April, whenever it is, um, they're going to be like, we're making an all-in move to try to win a championship because you look at the teams that are in the mix, like San Diego – Calgary, Colorado, Saskatchewan, Panther City in the West. And then you got, you know, Philly, Albany, Buffalo, Toronto, Halifax, uh, and Rochester in the East right now. That's that's going to be all out, you know, balls to the wall to try to claim all those postseason spots where there's only, you know, one wild card between the East and West. And then it's top in the East, top in the West. You got to. You got to do what it takes to just get into the dance, and that's what we saw last year. You know, you just got to get in, and anybody can win it. Um, I like this trade, especially the corresponding move to go get Brett Hickey after he got released from from uh, Calgary. I think that's a big move for uh, the Riptide there. And then uh, today, as we record this on uh, Thursday, Albany getting in the mix with Buffalo on a trade. Uh, they sent Adam Bomberry to the Bandits in exchange for practice player Thomas Mason. And in a corresponding move, 
Albany place Connor Kelly on the active roster from the short-term holdout list, so it looks like C.K. Fowdy is on his way to playing with the Firewolves. Yeah, I didn't understand the one-for-one one in this. thought there would have been some picks involved or something, you know, something like that, but once again, I'm not a GM, so not really my decision to make. Um, and, and it's and it's tough moving around these kind of pieces and um, – I mean, it's just been a situation where they felt like they didn't have the space for Adam and, and felt he should be somewhere where he is going to play and get that kind of, you know, opportunity to shine. Like, it, those are tough decisions to make. You never want to be the team or the GM or the coach that held a guy back. But you also don't want to be the team that lets him go and see him flourish somewhere else to where it could bite you back. You know what I'm saying? So it's always that's a tough scenario to make. I think they did the right thing. You know, it, it could work out, you know what I'm saying, in, in both respectives. So we'll truly see what happens. Once, I love you know, I love how, this how move for Buffalo. Out. I love it for Buffalo. Like, to get a 28-year-old defenseman who is as good as Adam Bomberry on the left side, like, I, I if you're a Bandits fan, you should be doing backflips when you see that trade. No offense to, to Thomas Vason, but Adam Bomberry is a proven commodity in this league. He knows what it takes to win, uh, and you're adding him to, you know, a, a team that has championship aspirations. Like, the Bandits have to be thrilled to have pulled off that move. So, congrats to Banditland uh, on that one. Um, but, Deej, let's get to uh, your state of the fandom. It's brought to you by our friends over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com and use code USP for 25% off your order of sunglasses, blue light glasses, snow goggles, shirts, hoodies, watches. They've got it all at TomahawkShades.com. Stay styling and profiling all through the winter and into the spring and summer with our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Use that code USP for 25% off your order. Deej, last week you eliminated the Vancouver Warriors from your fandom. How's it looking this week after a wild week seven? Um... The only team that's that, that's once again pushing it and getting close is Georgia. Um, they're making it real hard for me to see the potential that they have. You know what I'm saying? But, man, I'm giving them one more chance. I'll see what they got this week. Um, obviously, because I got the boy Lyle, it's hard to, to completely scratch him off the list. That homie Stinger, though, we got to do something about that. That mascot kills me. Toronto, same thing. Homie's, like, cool, but not. Like, not okay. We got to do – y'all got to get better mascots. That, that's a real thing. Um, but Rochester still kind of slowly creeping their way up. But then again, that's almost like a, being a Laker fan – becoming a new basketball fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they've been historically good, and now all of a sudden they're good again, and I want to be a fan. It looks real kind of iffy-ish. Um, but, you know, can't rock with Buffalo because they don't follow us kind of thing. So as long as you, Georgia doesn't lose, I can't really knock anybody else out. Yeah, it was a, a wild week for sure. 
Uh, I am just trying to pull up this one clip here. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, but it was kind of going viral on TikTok and, like, lacrosse Twitter of, uh, the explanation of what a lacrosse player's girlfriend does for a job. Oh, I saw, like, part of it, but I didn't, like, really watch it. I'm importing it now into, uh, our recording room here, so you can watch all of it. So, as I was, uh looking at who it was because i was like okay like this has to be somebody we know of their existence significant other uh this is jeff henrick from the georgia swarms girlfriend jeff henrick uh former former buckeye this is very hilarious you're going to appreciate this you didn't even have to say that part you could have just you know i love to get under your skin bro uh, so I'm, I can't wait to figure out what really make your your blood itch, what really make your skin crawl. It's kind of out in the open. <laughs> I hate Ohio State too. I just don't have no, 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 no. I don't have the, the fandom connection. Yeah, it ain't of hatred, the same. But no, I hate the same. I don't like them. No, I can't wait to find that thing that really makes your skin crawl. Yeah, it's called the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> but you hate them too. Not as much because we beat them all the time. For real. <laughs> so do we, but you you also got to remember there's a former Buckeye on that team too. Oh, <laughs> you just do this. I'm like Michael Scott in the office, but here is Harry uh, <laughs> Here is uh, Jeff Hendricks' girlfriend for everybody uh, watching on YouTube. Every weekend I have the same conversation because my boyfriend's always gone. And they're like, oh, where's your boyfriend? Oh, he's actually playing lacrosse this weekend. Oh, cool. Like, for what? He's actually a professional lacrosse player. And they're like, a professional lacrosse player? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but it's winter. So, actually, there's two lacrosse leagues. There's the Premier Lacrosse League, which is the PLL, which is in the summer, spring, summer. Okay, and that's on a field. But it's not like real lacrosse. They actually shortened the field and they changed all the rules. There's even two points in Premier Lacrosse. It makes no sense at all. I have no idea why they did that. Anyways, Jeff's in the NLL, which is the National Lacrosse League, which is actually box lacrosse. Box lacrosse is in an arena, and they wear like almost kind of hockey gear, but it's not hockey gear, but it is a hockey helmet, which is so bizarre. And the goalies look like gigantic marshmallows. Anyways, they play it in an arena on turf. And they're like, oh, wow, does he, like, get paid for that? Yeah, so he actually only works, like, Friday to Sunday in the winter, and he gets paid, like, a full-time job. But he also has a job. And they just look at me like... Yeah. What, what a video. Yeah, the NLL in a nutshell. <laughs> Professional lacrosse in a nutshell. Uh, shout out Jeff Hendrick and Jeff Hendrick's girlfriend. Um, hilarious clip. But there's the state of the fandom, uh, which brings us to the Week 7 OTB Awards brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. Guys, there's no better way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk than with our friends at Trophy Smack. I just got the email yesterday, Deej. They got those last place new trophies in. It said, it said, uh, viewer discretion is advised, adults only, because uh, they got a golden toilet seat for your last place fantasy finishers. Go check that out. They got the belts, they got the rings, the trophies, the metal wall art, and now your last place finishers as well. You guys go to trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. That's trophysmack.com slash underground. Trophy smack, 
com slash underground upgrade your fantasy smack talk let's get into the week seven otb awards deej crazy amount of you know stats across the board that popped off this past week um i'm looking here just uh from a perspective of goalies i think we got co-goalies again this week i think nick rose balled out for toronto against halifax and then i just want to make sure that this was who started uh yeah rylan hartley for rochester gave up the fewest goals of the week i'm cool with that also want to shout out dobby though brett dobson had a fantastic week um Granted, they did lose, but I mean, 46 and 11, 46 saves, only giving up 11 for the kind of season that those two goalies have had and how the defense and stuff has played in front of them. Against a Buffalo team, 46 saves, 11 goals allowed is a fantastic game for a rookie. So shout out Brett Dobbs as well. Um, but yeah, I'm cool with co-goalies uh, of the week. Yeah, I think Rosie and Hartley get the nod from me. Offensive player of the week. There's a lot. There's a lot to uh, sift through here. Um, oddly enough, I think we kind of have to dissect Vancouver a little bit. When you put when you put up 19 as a squad, you got to see, you know, who's out there balling. Uh, and oddly enough, a guy on the other team had 11 points this week. I think we got to put Rob Hellier in the discussion. 11 points for the Vegas Desert Dogs. 10 of them being assists that's being a big team guy helping your team score even in a loss um looking at some of the other games here toronto obviously put up 17 as a squad and the highest scorer from that contest was tom schreiber with seven points um even in a loss 10 assists in a game is pretty bonkos I'm kind of leaning Rob Hellier as our uh, offensive player of the week. Did you say kind of Boncos? Kind of Boncos. That's full on bananas. Boncos. Full on bananas. 10 assists in a game. Double digit assists in a game, bro. Did you hear what you just said? 10. 10. 10 of them things. We ain't say two. He put up a oh, 10 piece. Five, eight. We said 10. One, ten. two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten. Ten. Yeah, it's Rob Hellier. Gotta have it. Uh, looking at that Toronto game, though, in terms of uh, defensive player of the week, our good, our good pal, Sarah Griffin, wrote about him for uh, Lacrosse Flash this week. I'm pretty sure you can no longer say this guy's underrated because he's one of the best in the game. Uh, Brad Cree. Had himself a fucking game. 14 loose balls, five cause turnovers for Toronto in their, their big win over Halifax. Um, let me pull up the rest of the stats here. Uh, where is he at? Brad Cree. He also had two assists in this game, uh, and he had a block shot. I mean, I can't argue with that. 14 loosies is pretty legit. It's but pretty wild. I do want to shout out Graham Hassett. Oh, he's yeah. 
back playing in that not producing stats, but guys are scared to dodge on me. Mm -hmm. Guys can't dodge on me. I'm the best defender in the world kind of game where he's not necessarily producing the cause turnovers, not picking up loose. He's not getting out on assists, but he's just his presence out on the floor deters shots. It changes the way offensive plays. It makes a guy not want to dodge. Like being a defensive guy, that is just as impressive as 14 Lucy's because you're causing a turnover that doesn't show up on the score sheet. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're guarding Lyle Thompson, he's now playing differently than he would if somebody else is guarding him. That's a turnover that doesn't show up on, on the score sheet. Being able to take a player like that out of the game just because of who you are is huge. And that's the kind of level Graham is playing at again. Not necessarily an OTB award level because of you know how we're giving these out, mm-hmm. but he does deserve a shout-out for the, the level of defensive prowess he's playing with at this moment. Yeah, big time. No doubt about it. Um, and then looking at the rookie of the week, I mean – even in a loss, Jack Hanna continuing to produce had four points in their game against Vancouver. Two goals, two assists, six shots on goal. Picked up a loose ball. Um, he's going to be in the Rookie of the Year conversation no matter what. Another solid performance from him. Uh, I think Jack Hanna gets my nod once again for Rookie of the Week. I'm almost leaning toward Brett Dobbs. Just, just that that game is. Just with the the struggling that they've had at the goaltending position to come out and only let up 11 and have almost 50 saves against an offense as potent as as Buffalo is insane. I'm just Uh, pulling up his full-on stats here. Definitely not not opposed to Jack Hanna getting it. He's been on fire. He continues to show why he's uh, one of the greatest young players in the game right now. But the – all of the questions around the goaltending in Georgia, all the questions around their defense, all of the, oh, Buffalo's going to come in and, and steamroll them, blow them out. They don't have a chance. He stepped up and answered the bell big time. And and to be a rookie playing against Dane Smith, Tohoka Nantico, uh, Josh Byrne, you know, uh, Chase Frazier, you know, guy after guy, that's that's fucking tough. And to stand in, you know, 60 minutes and, and only give up 11 on, what is that, 57 shots total? That That's insane. I'll go with that. I'll give, I'll give a nod to, to Dobson. Do we want to go Co or do we just want to? I'm cool with Co because, I mean, like like you mentioned, Jack, Jack Hanna's been insane. I, I can't argue the – the offensive impact he's had for for Vegas and the energy he brings because that that permeates into their transition and, and their defense. Just the yeah. the pure aggression and adrenaline he plays with doesn't stop at him. It, it makes his teammates want to rise to that same level. So I, I can't argue with Jack Hanna at all. So there it is, your OTB awards brought to you by Trophy Smack for Week 7, your Rookies of the Week kind of cool that's one in the east one in the west brett dobson jack Hanna, your offensive player of the week with 10 assists 11 points total rob hellier 
your defensive player of the week, Brad Cree, Nick Rose, Rylan Hartley, your goalies of the week. And those are the week seven OTB awards, which Deej brings us to that time of the pod once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed them ducks. Maybe. Four games kind of get the preview and uh, picks all in one here this week as uh, we get set for the week eight picks of the week brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes on the Pickup Marketplace. That's playpickup.com. Deej, game one of the weekend is for sole possession of first place in the Eastern Conference. It's the Buffalo Bandits at the Rochester Nighthawks, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. How you see this one playing out for what I think is, hands down, the game of the week? I think. We thinking now? Because, bruh. Hands down. Bruh. Game of the week. Can't even even stress it enough. Uh, but this is so hard to pick. Biggest game of the of, year for both of these teams so far. Yeah, and it's just the fact that Rochester has been insane to start the year. It's almost like no team can stop them. No team has enough. No team has figured out the formula. But on the flip side of that, Rochester hasn't played an offense as good as Buffalo. Their defense has been good this year, but can they play and stop a team like Buffalo that has option after 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 option? option. Like, it gets tough when you can stop option one, two, three, four, and five, but then option six, seven, and eight all want to pop off for three goals apiece. Can Rochester stumble that? Can they handle that? Can they, or even. Dude, if they get into that tracks, track meet style kind of game where they're going back and forth, goal for goal for goal for goal, can their offense match their offense? Can they go goal for goal with Buffalo? Can they continue to score at that same pace? You know, or then it, because then if they can, it turns into the, okay, can, who's going to make more saves, Ryan Hartley or Matt Vince? You know, and for oh, context okay. too, Rochester did beat Toronto earlier this season 11-7 so in a you know a lot of people compare Toronto and Buffalo offensively as like those top dogs so right right I can't pick against Rochester right now this is one of the hardest games we've had to pick all year to this point uh like that Rochester's at home. Put a little pebble on the scale there. This is their biggest test to this point so far. You know, Toronto was that early in the season. Um, and then, you know, they've proven doubters wrong time and time again. Beat Albany, beat Panther City easily without Connor Fields, then went to New York and beat the Riptide um, this past week. Oddly enough, though, oddly enough, I think there's more pressure on the Buffalo Bandits in this game. They're fighting to get back into first place after that one, you know, hiccup loss that they had early to Albany. 
Um, they're on the road. And I think Rochester, any way you dice it up, unless they get absolutely demolished, like if they lose like 16 to 4, that's the only way you can be like, oh, that was, you know, that's tough. Rochester really has nothing to lose, though, in this game. So I think they'll be playing loose. I think Connor Fields has a nice little revenge on his mind. I'm going with you. I'm going to take Rochester in what I think will be a very close matchup. Um, but I'm giving them the nod because they are at home. And Fields, he's got that uh, that revenge in, his, in the back of his mind from him getting traded uh, to Vegas and then subsequently back to Rochester. Speaking of Vegas, we get a rematch of last week, this time in Vegas. 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. Vancouver, Las Vegas, round two. Will Vegas finally get their first win in franchise history? There's a lot riding for Vegas. You don't want to fall to 0-5. Vancouver, you don't want to fall to 1-5. Big matchup for these two teams. Um, I am in the boat right now, though, that until... And we were the same way with Panther City last year. Until Vegas can show me that they can win, I need to see it before I can pick it. So until I see that, I got to go with Vancouver. I'm going to go opposite of you here on this one. Um, I think Vancouver last week was a flop. I think it was weird. Uh, I don't. I haven't necessarily bought into that. And it's tough to turn around and be a team again. Vegas is tired of getting beat by the same teams. You know, this is what game five or six for them, and they've only played this three teams. This week, five, I think. And they've only played three teams. I don't think they want to lose to Vegas or Vancouver after they already lost twice to Vancouver City. They don't want to lose twice to another team again. Yeah, I think that factors factors into it, and um, I just I just think they're they're starting to find their group. Even though they lost that game last week, it was what 16-19 or something like that. Like, like it was a close game, and they're starting to catch their footing on the offensive side. Defense and transition just has a few things to, to squeeze out. Um, but I like their chances turning around and playing this Vancouver team at home. They get fans to come out. They have energy at home. Maybe they can feed off of that and get a few bounces to the other there you have it there. Then Saturday, we got two games, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Switched up the time there for everybody. Uh, Toronto comes to Philadelphia for the first time this year. They got three matchups this year. The first of three. Two of them are in Philly. 2-1-5 uh, day. It's going to be all-time vibes day in Philly. Uh, between the Wings game, the Flyers and Sixers play on Saturday, and of course the big one, the Eagles hosting the Giants in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So Philly's going to be lit. It's going to be wild. You already know where I'm going with this one. I think Philly learns from the mistakes that they had against Panther City with the turnovers. They're more cautious with the ball. They're going to have to be more calculated against this Toronto team. I love the Trevor Baptiste versus TD Erland matchup at the stripe. It's going to be a lot of fun there. Trevor's going for another milestone in his career. I think if he gets 23 face-off wins, he gets to some sort of, I forget what the number is, might be 2,000. He'll be the fastest to 1,000. He'll beat Jake Withers by By one one game. game. So Trevor's got that for a personal accolade, and I'm sure the boys want to help him get to that as well. Uh, I think Philly wins a close one, kind of puts the demons of 
Toronto to rest and uh, finally gets a win over the Toronto Rock for the first time since I've been covering this team. Let the demons rise. Toronto, baby. I don't see it happen. Toronto's been dominating Philly the last few years. They have what it takes. TB's got his first goal. First pro goal ever. Not PLL. In the NLL. Got his first pro goal last week. He's feeling good. He's going to give a battle at the X. It's going to be hard for Trevor. He's not just going to be able to waltz in and get the possessions. Maybe TB spoils that chance for him to be the fastest. Um... Face-off guy to a thousand. You know, there's there's so much on the line for TV. I'm kind of using that same point you used in the, in, in the last game. There isn't really much on the line for Toronto. But Philadelphia is trying to break this streak against Toronto. They're trying to continue to prove that they're good enough. They're trying, you know, to, to set these accolades. There's things on the line for Philadelphia that aren't on the line for Toronto. Um, I'll say this, so too. I, I like Toronto. Dan Dawson placed on the injured list today. It's a big loss for Toronto. It is, but I'm cool with it. Uh, uh, I'm going to still rock. Last game, Battle of New York in, rock. <laughs> in upstate New York. Uh, New York taking on Albany. First game post-Callum Crawford era. Um, this for me is a prove it to me type of situation for the riptide can't pick you until you win um got to see how the chemistry is without callum so i'm going albany yep i'm right there with you um but mine is just for the fact of that defense is good in albany and their offense is starting to click you know and connor kelly is possibly stepping into this this roster as well uh, with guys that he's used to playing with in the summer, and he walked here in Ricardo, etc. Like, I, I'm, I'm liking it. You know, I, I don't see their offense necessarily slowing down against a what is a good New York defense. Don't get me wrong, their defense has kind of been the best part of the, of the team this year. Good side defense has been good. Orlando has been good between the pipes, and uh, now he's got his brother there with him. You know, it, it, there's nothing like brother love. You know, and them backing each other up, being there to say things to each other on the sideline, being there to point out things that the other can't see, being there as a supportive system. There's nothing more supportive than your family. Your blood family that truly loves you is going to be more supportive than anybody. And, and nobody knows that more than brothers, that are blood brothers. Whether No matter how far away from you are, you root harder for your brother than you root for anybody. So to have that so close, it, it could help out for them eventually, but I don't see it happening this week. When you said Blood Brothers, all I thought of was The Hangover and Zach Goff and Atkins say, Blood Brothers. <laughs> Who, you know, what if, what if Adam Bomberry was the key to this Albany defense? What if he was the guy that was like the death by a thousand cuts guy and was like Could leading the charge and now they traded him? Albany's defense just falls apart. Could you imagine? That would be wild. Uh, but to recap our picks, Deej and I both have Rochester. I have Vancouver. Deej has Las Vegas. I have the Wings. Deej has the Rock. And we both got Albany over the Riptide. And those are our Week 8 Picks of the Week brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. Final segment, PLL Retirements. Some boys calling it a career. 
Scott Ratliff, Stephen DiNapoli announced their retirements this week. I think Rat was more of the surprise, in my opinion. I didn't really see it coming. DiNapoli, we saw in that post-game locker room press conference uh, that he has contemplated retirement for the past couple of seasons. Um, Ratliff, 10 years. DiNapoli, 12 years. Both of them, hell of a career on, on both fronts. Both of them leaders on their respective teams. Obviously, DNAP, the only captain on that Water Dogs championship roster. So uh, they're going to have a new man bearing the sea this season if they decide to name a captain. Um, Scott Ratliff, though, I'll start with, with Scott from my perspective. He is truly one of the kindest, most like incredibly inviting, welcoming, warm human beings that I've ever interacted with uh, in my entire journey covering the sport of lacrosse. I'll never forget the day that we booked Scott to come on the pod back in 2019 before the Archers were getting set to play in the first overall pick game against Atlas. Um, and, you know, talking to Scott, it was just like, wow, like this guy is just full of life um, and just like energy and I, I want to see this guy succeed. And after that game, when the Archers won in just like historic fashion, I saw Rad. He had his jersey off. He was celebrating. You know, he had the Wells Crowther bandana on, and he, he just bear hugged me. And he was like, "You were right, man. You called it. Like the podcast bump happened. Like we we did that." And I'll never forget that. Um, He's just, he's such a good person. And I think that's one thing that, like, everybody, when you bring up Scott Ratliff's name, um, he's just a genuine dude. And I'm going to miss that being around, like, you know, the summer travel schedule and seeing Scott Ratliff out there uh, week in and week out. And I, I just can't thank him enough for always being so kind to us, so kind to this show. And just to anybody that he's ever interacted with. Yeah, I mean, watching him play from old highlights from his time at Loyola when I was first getting started to watching him down with the Florida launch, the Atlanta Blaze, switching, you know, Dallas Rattlers, switching over, getting some time into, uh, into the PLL. And, um, yeah, getting into the PLL with the Archers and everything. Now, you know, and even this last year was a little weird. You know, we talked about it, him wearing 32, him playing closed D. Like, there were kind of almost signs that he was on his way out and nobody kind of really saw it. We mentioned it but didn't think of it in that retrospect. But he, he's a guy who has left an impact on, on the league forever. You know, like, he's he's – Changed the way lacrosse is, is viewed at and, and, and an LSM standpoint. Like so many guys play like Scott Ratliff that play LSM now, which is which is bonkers to say because that was, you know, a, a Brody Merrill before. That was a, a you know, a Dave Petromala kind of. You know, there there were so many other LSMs before that were so good that that Scott Ratliff came and, and invented a new style of LSM. 
and and that's what he's leaving behind. You know, the same thing. And you look over at Hap, Dean Hap is wow. Um, it's more just about his character as, as a guy. He's just a locker room guy, a guy you want behind you. How he steps in. Did the gummer or something like Did you hear any of that? No. I don't think you heard it, but I'm pretty sure it got picked up. You were just frozen on the screen. I wonder did it pick up any of the audio? Yeah, I didn't hear anything you said. <laughs> that is hilarious. I just pretty much was saying, like, um, D-Nap is just one of those guys you want to have in the locker room with you, behind you, uh, supporting you, being there for you. He's just, you know, a great guy overall. Um, he's going to go out and give his all on the field. He's going to play hard. He's a very great lacrosse mind. But who he is as a person, what he means to the game, um, just his his personality as a guy is is much more than that. And I'm really excited to see how he makes his way back into the game, whether that's being a general manager, a coach, uh, getting into the front office, something like that. It, I'm just really excited to see how he gets back to the game because he, he's definitely not done. He may be done being a player, but he's definitely not done with the game of lacrosse. Yeah, I think with with Rat, like he's obviously going to continue with the give and go fun that Adam Gittleman founded um so i'm i'm very excited to see what he does there um and i mean scott ratliff started 122 consecutive games never missed a game iron man award there it's the longest streak in pro lacrosse history um he did whatever it took to win and it, the, i think the only bummer is that you know he never got a chance to see this archers team win a championship um you know, he's the 2017 Real Man of the MLL winner, 2018 Dave Huntley Man of the Year Award winner, 2019 Wells Crowther Humanitarian Award winner. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Make sure you guys go read Joe Keegan's article as well on the PLL website. It's a fantastic job. Amazing quotes in there uh, from so many people in Scott Ratliff's, you know, stratosphere. Um, and he's just, he's one of the guys. Like, you know, it was weird for me. Uh, when Beast retired after 2019 because Beast was like the first outdoor professional player to come on the show. So I had that connection. Beast and I have stayed very much in contact and he's a homie for life. But it was like I never really like saw Beast play because obviously you guys know if you've been listening to the show, I didn't start covering lacrosse until 2018. So I didn't really know Greg like that from his MLL days. I just knew he was a fucking legend and like he's the guy. But like getting that opportunity to be up close and personal for so many years now with Scott Ratliff, um, it, it like when I saw the news, it, it was one of those like you step back for a minute, it kind of shocks you a little bit, and it's like damn, like I'm not gonna see the homie out on the field this summer. Um, I can't thank Scott enough again just for like how genuine he's been to me, to our show, to our company. 
you know, the guy he is out on the field, the humanitarian that he is. Like, he's just a genuine, all-around amazing human being. I'm excited for his next chapter uh, with the Give and Go Fund. I hope he gets back in the booth as well because he's phenomenal at broadcasting the game of lacrosse. Um, and I just, you know, love you, brother. Congratulations on one hell of a career. And uh, just keep being yourself. And then for DNAP, like, he's a leader. He's he's contemplated this decision for years now. And it's just really cool that a guy like him who stuck it out, was part of that expansion draft, you know, Copeland bringing him into that Water Dogs team and naming him the captain, uh, gets to go out on top as a champion. Um, couldn't be happier for him. Like, that locker room speech he gave after the Water Dogs won the championship was, like, so emotional and heartfelt. Uh, his his post as well today that went out, you know, said Water Dogs for life. Like, um, he just seems so fun to be around and, and just, like, he's what you expect and want from a team captain. And I think, it like, like I said, like, so cool that he gets to go out a champion and, uh, you know, a 12-year career started off with the Atlas and the PLL. Uh, and obviously he dates back to the MLL as well. But for him to kind of get a taste of, of both ends from the PLL aspect where he's on this alleged super team with the Atlas, you know, everybody thinks they're going to run the tables and then it's all, you know, trials and tribulations, a lot of, you know, downs more than ups and then gets picked in the expansion draft taken away from that squad and then gets to see it through with the water dogs uh super super happy for him and i'm excited to see what he does next as well um i could see him coaching like you said because uh, he's a guy that has such a, a plethora of knowledge to share with the next generation of lacrosse that it would be really cool to see dnap as a coach sometime soon yeah, I mean they're they're both gonna they have a long long lasting impact in the game and um you know definitely not done around it. Scott in the in the booth is fantastic. Um watching the George games last year with him in the booth, it made it a little bit better. Um as someone who kinda wanted to be a Georgia fan a little bit and watching him struggle, hearing him call the game and, and just use his expertise and his and his uh, lacrosse IQ is fantastic. Um like I said, just really excited and, and want to, you know, thank them and say congratulations to two fantastic careers, but really just excited to see what else they have for the game and the betterment of it and, and the, the growing and, and the furtherment because I don't see them doing anything bad because they couldn't do anything bad in their career. So I don't and see I, them doing anything worse. I think for those two guys too, like they left the game better than the way they found it. And I think that's one thing that a lot of lacrosse players will say is like they want to leave the game better than the way they found it. And I think those two guys embody that phrase so well, um, you know, to put 10 and 12 years respectively for Ratliff and DiNapoli into this game, you know, to battle through the MLL days and, and, you know, make it to the PLL and, you know, help be a foundation. Both of them were in that initial season and then moving forward. Uh, was huge, you know, and, and their contributions to the game are ones that'll be talked about forever. Um, so congratulations to the two of them. Excited for their next chapters. Enjoy retirement. I think that's one thing that gets lost when anybody retires from a job. Enjoy it um, and, and just enjoy being yourselves and continue to do awesome shit that we know you're going to do. So shout out to Ratliff. Shout out to DiNapoli. 
and uh, just uh, not not ready for the next person to retire. I'll say that. No, yeah, because there's going to be a few more, and it's going to be tough. As but then again, the talent that's coming in is is arguably just a good, just as good, if not better. So it's you you lose greats to see more greats. That kind that's kind of just how sports go. You never want to see the guy, the the old guys go, but the new guys equally excite you. So um, it's always tough goodbyes, but but happy beginnings. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. You know, the more retirements we see from these key positions and from just key leaders, um, it's going to be interesting to see how free agency plays out in March to see how some of these teams address the position uh, of some of these holes that will be on their rosters, whether or not they choose to approach that in free agency or wait for the draft or kind of do it both. Um, You know, we'll see. But I think these are two big spots, you know. Napoli as a, a short stick team midi and a captain that's very tough to replace and almost damn near impossible and then with Scott Ratliff like you said like this next generation of lacrosse players it's like we're trying to find the next Scott Ratliff there's never going to be another Scott Ratliff it's you're trying to find the next closest thing um so I mean there, there's going to be a lot of uh things that Copeland and and Chris Bates have to figure out to fill those positions, but that's the exciting part now about the PLL with free agency rolling in is like we get to discuss this kind of stuff uh, on the show and discuss it on social media with you guys and um, try to figure out, you know, who's going where. Because obviously the, the crown jewel right now is Connor Farrell in free agency. And then kind of I think that's the first big domino to go and then now you have these retirements that are opening up positions across the, the field for, for teams. So we'll see how the, the retirements of Scott Ratliff and Steve DiNapoli affect free agency, affect the draft for these teams. But it's going to be a fun couple months of speculating, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we uh, don't see Scott Ratliff kind of hanging out on the side <coughs> of the championship series with the, with the Archers as well. Um, excited for that. And... Uh, you know, like like we said, congratulations to those two guys on fantastic careers across the board. Um, and again, open open mic for both of you always on the show. Uh, any final thoughts, Deej? We are about less than a month away from college as well. College lacrosse on the horizon. Man, that's we're getting to that point where there's almost too much lacrosse to watch. Which is not really a thing, but man, it starts to get almost overwhelming. So I, I'm excited. Um, it, it's coming up on my favorite time of the year. New jerseys are in for my high school squad, so I'm excited to get those boys out wearing new stuff, uh, feeling good. So it's my favorite time of the year is coming up. I love spring. Starts to get beautiful again. We're back out on the cross field wearing sunglasses, smelling the breeze, getting ground balls, hitting each other, all the good stuff, scoring goals. And, you know, celebrating all of that is is the fun part. So we're right around the corner. I can't be upset at it. Fuck them allergies, though. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. The changing <laughs> of the season, allergies is an L. Whew, biggest L ever. I'm glad That's I don't a, have the I don't have the pollen stuff. But you're the a lucky son of a gun. Nah, bro, because that first three weeks when it's going from cold to warm and oh and, yeah. 
it's you're going into work with a jacket, but leaving without a jacket. Like it's hell. That part of the year, no matter when the seasons change, fucks me so it's, bad. It's happened this past week here because for whatever reason we've had like freezing bitter cold day, and then the next day it's like sixty degrees and sunny, and then I'm yeah. inside and I'm just like. I sound like fucking Brady from Hey Arnold. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm yeah. waiting for Helga Pataki to just punch me in the face. I'm hit. It's I'm hell. Hit. Um, but that's all we got for you guys on this one. Make sure you're following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Deej on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Leave a five-star review. It really does help the show continue to grow. takes us to that next level and uh, helps us get on the charts. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of all of our podcasts. Uh, you get OTB cast live streams. You get interviews, clips, shorts. It's all on the YouTube we're at 358 subscribers, trying to get to 400 by the end of the month. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below your thoughts on everything we talked about on tonight's show. And uh, make sure you get your merch. PHIapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND. You get 10% off any and all merch orders. Get your OTB merch. Tag us on social media when you get it in because we want to see where you're repping OTB across the nation. But this has been episode number 257 of the allegedly award-nominated number nine NCAA ranked and viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Deej, I'm KB. Till next time, enjoy this weekend's slate of games, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace. And that's outside the box.